0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. We got another weekend before the real boxing events start, but we got another weekend with some events that I think were worth the time to cover prior to the big stuff happening in March. Let's go ahead and get into this. It won't take too long. Unfortunately, some of this is not really good news given the war situation. And if you are interested in boxing at all, you already know where I'm going with for some of these fighters because they are directly impacted by the war situation, given that it's their home. So I want to talk about those really quick, but a little bit of follow on news. Before I talked about the fact that Mayweather was was supposed to fight Money Kicks, who's this rich dude, you know, dad's rich, or whatever. That fight's been scheduled off. Mayweather's still scheduled to fight in Dubai. But as far as I know, there has not been a an opponent scheduled or lined up as of yet. However, the reports are that Mayweather has been training hot and heavy as if he was going for a pro fight. Some people think that, okay, maybe he's coming back for a pro match. I guarantee that's not the case. Let's kind of break down what we see. Uh, Today has a fight, but I I don't think it's worth your time. Uh, If you want to check that out, I recommend Box.Live if you want to see information about that one. Uh, The real big news, of course, is happening tomorrow out in Glasgow, Scotland on ESPN+, Plus. for those not local, and that's, of course, the Unified champion Josh Taylor facing his mandatory Jack Catterall. Of course, undisputed's on the line. And the interesting thing of this fight, people believe that Josh Taylor is the next big thing and a quality fighter. I'm going to lean a little bit towards Catterall. And I'm not saying this because I rate Catterall. I'm saying this because Josh Taylor has been talking a lot about Terrence Crawford and getting a fight with Terrence Crawford. And then he talked about Tank Davis. He's calling out all these other guys. Saying he's the man, and they have to go through him to be the man. And what we see is when fighters do that, they're just distracted and they talk about everybody else, except the guy in front of them. It tends to precede some sort of an upset loss of some kind, or a poor performance that should have been a gone, should have gone the other way. We saw that with Keith Thurman against Manny Pacquiao, where Keith was just focused on the Spences and the Crawfords of the world, and not focused on the guy that was in front of him. And, of course, Keith took a loss. It's it's multiple of these. And I don't know why they do that. I mean, I do, but it's it's still dis- depressing to see that fighters still do that. This They just don't focus on the guy in front of them. Tia Fimo should have taught Josh Taylor. You can't dismiss the guy that's in front of you. Again, I'm not rating Catterall directly. He's a solid fighter, but I'm not rating him from a skill perspective. Taylor should really walk right through him. I'm saying that when you don't focus on the guy in front of him, and there have been interviews where Taylor has said, you know, Caterall's here, I'm gonna fight, him. but he's also kind of stepped on himself because he'll then say, well, you know, Crawford's gotta go, you know, I could be Crawford and that fight can still happen even though the lawsuit, and, you know, Tank Davis gotta go through me to be the champion. And then he'll yell at some interviewer talking about, stop talking about Crawford, we're here to talk about Catterall. He's He feels like he's being stretched, and I don't know if it's because social media is pressuring him, I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe Bob Arum's in his ear. I don't know. All I know is he needs to focus on who's fr- in front of him or it's going to end up like Tia Fimo, and that would really shake stuff up at 140. If Josh Taylor took a loss at 140, that would shake stuff up because then all of a sudden we've gotten rid of the two biggest lobmouths, one at 135 and 140, that we've had in a while, and then, of course, there'll probably be a rematch clause. But I think Taylor should keep his eyes on the prize and not get distracted. For BZ Ramirez and Eric Donovan, uh, that's going to happen. That's one of the co-mains featherweight. I think that's going to be a good fight. Nick Campbell and Jay McFarlane. I don't know anything about McFarlane. This is heavyweight action. I suspect that one's going to be a stinker in my opinion, just because Nick Campbell, I, it feels like Nick Campbell just kind of goes to the motions. Um, he's not something I, I somebody I want to follow necessarily. And then the undercard fights are going to happen out in Las Vegas uh, at the Chelsea. If you're in Las Vegas area, this is going to be broadcast allegedly on Showtime is what I was told. This is going to be Gary Antoine Russell. Don't confuse him with Mr. Gary Russell Jr. They're two different fighters. Gary Antoine Russell fights at junior welterweight. So he's 140 pounds. He's going to be fighting Victor Postal. The reason I'm calling out this fight first is for those that don't know, Victor Postal's family is in Ukraine he had left Ukraine and his family behind so that he could train and with uh, Freddie Roach uh, in the United States. So his wife's there, his his two kids are there, and he's been concerned ever since this war kind of broke out because the commercial flights have been shut down. So he wants to try to, I think his mind's going to be distracted. Of course, they call him the Iceman, and he thinks he can stay focused, but I think his mind's going to be somewhat distracted, and you can't really be distracted against Gary Antoine Russell. <laughs> you, you can't. I really feel for Postal given his family's in that situation because Russia, you know, they're really going on Kyiv. They want to try to get Kyiv and that's exactly where his uh his people are. So I'm I feel for Postal and hopefully everything turns out okay for him and he's able to make everything okay. He's gonna be trying to fly into either Poland or Romania and then just eat the drive to get in to uh, the capital. And I'm concerned for him because even if he's able to fly in, this brings back memories of MH17, which is a flight that was shot down by a buck missile over Ukraine a while back. So keep keep him safe in your thoughts uh, for him going through a tough situation. But I think this is going to be on his mind um, as he's fighting Gary Antoine. And Gary Antoine's a tough fighter, man. He's really, really a tough fighter. I would not bet against Gary Antoine, and I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a stoppage uh, Victor Bustall because I, I can't see that his mind will be focused on the fight and I wouldn't blame him and I wouldn't criticize him if he's not uh, 100% because that's going to be that's certainly got to be on his mind uh, going to the fight. Junior lightweight action Chris Colbert versus Hector Garcia. That one's going to be a barn burner. That one's going to be a war. You got undefeated guys it's an eliminator for a title shot. That one's worth watching. I I guarantee you you're going to not want to miss that fight uh, From what I see. The return of Ancajas. I talked about he got delayed back. um, Golovkin and Ancajas got delayed. He's in action uh, for Ancajas IBF title. He's fighting Fernando Martinez. I think that one's going to be a barn burner. Junior, but bantamweight. Keep an eye on that one. Of course, Ancajas is the favorite to win that one. But who knows what could happen? We could see an upset. I don't think so. I don't think Martinez is going to have enough to take him out. But that one's certainly, I think, worth your time to watch. That's all Saturday. Again, the mains are going to be happening out in Glasgow, Scotland, broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. The co-mains allegedly are on Showtime, broadcast at the Chelsea in Las Vegas. I think the co-mains are going to be the bigger, more exciting fights. It feels like the mains are not going to be all that enticing. You could have with Josh Taylor an upset. It's possible. I wouldn't count it out. Josh Taylor should walk through the guy just by skill comparison, but... I think Josh Taylor has been a little bit distracted and we don't know how that plays into factor and Robizio Ramirez. I can't imagine a world where Ramirez doesn't get an easy win. I think Campbell McFarland is a waste of a fight. I think Gary Antoine possibly gets a stoppage on Victor Postal. It's my gut talking, nothing else. I think on Cajas takes out Martinez. I think it'll be a war. And then I think Colbert, Hector Garcia, that one's too close to call. I'm going to lean towards Colbert in that one, but I think it's going to be exciting exciting set of fights tomorrow on Sunday London England at the O2 arena this is going to be broadcast on the zone we've got a, a set of fights and you know what I'm not really excited about hardly any of them I'll call out two that I see that I I personally think are worth watching uh at cruiserweight if you're interested in the cruiserweight action Lawrence Acoli's he's returned versus my Michael Sislak I'm not following the cruiserweights, but Lawrence Acoli is a champion, so I think that that's worth looking at, if only to get a sense of the cruiserweight championship picture in the uh, in the future. The other one I'll call out is that lightweight, that's Campbell Hatton versus Joe Ducker, and you're like, why? The reason is because lightweight is currently the hot and heavy division. If you look at the spectrum, of what we got, lightweight's where the action is right now, and so any new faces we see coming into lightweight – we always want to pay attention. I would always want to pay attention to those. We can call out Anthony Fowler and Lucas Musiek. I don't rate the middleweights um, nearly as much because it feels like we had some excitement and then it died when Canelo left the division, and then Golovkin's been dragging his feet, Charlo's been dragging his feet. So I want. I think there's unresolved stuff there. That's why I'm not really too excited about those. Because even if you do get new faces, the, the problem is you got all these walls at 160 that I think we need to break some of those walls down. Lightweight's a little bit different because we have as close as possible to a unified champion at Lightweight, right? In CM Punk, Camposus, that means we can welcome all sorts of new faces into the division as possible candidates in contention. And as a side note to Lightweight, the rumor is that the... Fight that I was hoping for, which is Cambosis versus Lomachenko, is the front runner to happen out in Australia. I know that some people were really upset about that. I had some comments said, "No, I don't think Lomachenko deserves it. He deserves it. He was screwed out of a rematch by Tiafimo. That was a close fight. Loma should have been given a rematch. Tio wanted to be a diva. Tio took a loss because he kept acting like a diva, even though Cambosis warned him he was acting like a diva." Now, Kambosis had a choice between Loma and Haney. I didn't want to see Haney because I felt that Haney would win a boring decision, and I didn't think he best represented the division until he defends his title against somebody of credit so that we could get a real, real test to him. But I think Loma deserved a rematch. I also felt that Loma would bring the fight in a way that, you know, Haney certainly would not. Now, it's possible that Loma just completely boxes circles around Cambosis. All I said was it's not guaranteed we could absolutely see Kambosis pull it out and impress. And at that point, we now have a top guy in lightweight. So lightweight is a hot and heavy division right now. Any new faces we see, because Loma's not young. He's not a spring chicken. Kambosis is pretty young, but Loma's not young. And so we we do need young, fresh talent. And if Haney's just going to sit on his belt and not really challenge himself against top guys, I'm not talking for the belts. I'm talking just in general to defend his. Then I can't really support him just as that one lone, you know, standout guy. And then the interesting thing is that Tank is a mandatory at lightweight because he campaigned at lightweight. But Tank doesn't seem inclined to go to lightweight to fight. He wants to be at the lesser weight so they he can somewhat weight bully whoever he's fighting against. So we have to see what's going to happen there. So I, I have my eye on lightweight very closely. That's why I think that fight is worth watching because it'll give us a sense of some new names possibly in the lightweight division to kind of shake stuff up. If Cambosis and Lomachenko goes forward, then whoever goes forward from these fights is going to be in line at some point in the mandatories for one of the belts. Cause remember Cambosis has now got to defend mandatories across multiple divisions, uh, multiple, excuse me, belt orgs. So that's going to put some names in front of him and it's always good to see who's possibly up first. We don't know what that looks like. That's going to be our weekend of boxing. We got some interesting fights, certainly tomorrow for Sure. Sunday's not necessarily as exciting, I would say, but it's the zone what do you expect? They can't really afford to pay people. Uh, but definitely on the ESPN+, Plus, definitely on the Showtime. Some other stuff that's happening in, in the business that's coming up soon, I think it's worth paying attention to. There's chatter right now about trying to get uh, Errol Spence and Jordanius Ugas, which will be in April, get that all finalized, to try to get a, a tie-in to where the winner will fight Crawford next. Now, the challenge with this, and this is what I'm hearing, the challenge with this, though, is Crawford still needs an opponent. And what I've always said is I'd rather see Crawford take a Keith Thurman fight in the interim because it'll keep him busy, number one, Crawford. Number two, while I wasn't directly impressed, Keith Thurman did impress some people with his recent win over Mario Barros, And Crawford needs an opponent. Keith needs another opponent. Keith did not seem to get terribly injured by Mario Barros at any point, he did get to take some shots, but it wasn't like he was completely bamboozled or anything. And so I think it would be a good next fight for both guys. I know Keith has talked about, you know, his get back ones. I think the next best thing to do for both guys would be for them to fight. The winner of that one takes on the winner of Spence Ugas. That's what I would like to see. And then just do it as a, even put, you know, Thurman and Crawford on the co-main uh, Spence Ugas. That way we could see directly at the same night and it might actually help all four fighters kind of get that energy for this one's going to be next. Because at this point we're, we're talking pretty much a PVC type of thing. Now Crawford's not with PVC he's a free agent, but that means he can negotiate with PVC for a, a two fight deal that gets him to what he says he wants, which is a unification fight. But we say he has to earn it against a PVC fighter while he's no longer under the spectrum of top rank. Now, some of the naysayers are going to say, well, he just swapped Porter. The, the problem is, if you didn't know, it was disclosed on the Porter Way podcast that Sean Porter going into the Formella fight, and by the way, if you don't remember the fight history, Sean Porter fought Sebastian Formella, who at the time was the IBO welterweight champion, after he fought Errol Spence, that fight against Formella was a blowout. Formella was there to be hit, but he was still thrown back. It was a very impressive showing for Sean. He looked stylistically brilliant. Turns out, going into that fight, he had been diagnosed with arthritis in his hips, and he needed to be up for a, a double hip replacement. So he was essentially not 100% going into the Crawford fight because he's dealing with this hip situation. That doesn't take away from the win for Crawford, but it does create somewhat of an asterisk because it means that to now to this point, Crawford still has not fought somebody who was 100% at their peak, right? People say, well, Spence got the accident and everything else. Sure, the difference is, is that Spence beat Danny, Danny Garcia, a top fighter, top five. Regardless of what you think, at the time, he was a top five fighter in welterweight. Spence goes and washes him basically 8-4, After that accident, and he looked brilliant doing it, he didn't look a lesser fighter at all. He actually performed better against Danny than he did against Porter. So, yes, Spence had an injury, but Spence came back and fought a top five. Porter has this injury. Formella wasn't a top five. Formella, I think, was like not even top ten. So we didn't get a chance to see Porter in there against a top fighter fresh off his injury before he fought Crawford, and Crawford is considered a top five at minimum in welterweight. Crawford has not fought a top five other than Sean Porter and the Porter being injured means that there's an asterisk because he didn't really fight the best version of a top five. Spence fought the best version of a top five. Do you see the difference? Spence fought a top five that was unhindered by an injury of that nature at the time, because the time when this was identified with Porter was after the Spence fight to me, I still give Crawford credit for the win because Porter performed so darn well that I think Kenny Porter stopped it prematurely. I don't think Porter was hurt, and I think he should have allowed to go the distance for both guys because we didn't give Crawford a chance to either finish or get proven out. So we, we have question marks. That's why I say asterisk because there's question marks as to how would that have, if Crawford had lost to a guy with two bum hips, that would have been terrible for him. But if Crawford had beat Sean Porter, and then we learn later, okay, he had two bum hips, but Porter still put on that kind of performance where it's close. We can say, all right, well, yeah, but Porter with two bad hips took him the distance and took him to the limits, which still happened anyway. I wanted to see a conclusion, a definitive conclusion other than Kenny Porter stopping that fight. We didn't get to see it. So I want to see Crawford in there. Now, Keefe is off injury, but he came back against Mario Barrios, who was a top five fighter at a lesser weight class at least there's something there i didn't really rate mario barrios but it's keith thurman has always been a top rated fighter at welterweight and he appears to be 100 now he appears to be completely uninjured for what he was we don't know how the body will take shots he even admitted if barrios had sat down on his shots a little better it might hurt and he thinks there might be something with the liver but he seemed to weather the storm. He was taking body shots and seemed to have been fine. So I think that's the next best fight to have for both Keith and Crawford to finally put a bow on that and say, which one of these guys deserves a fight against the winner of Spence Ugas? And now you have something compelling again. Now you got that four-way for supremacy at 147. Meanwhile, Crawford on the side said, well, I'll just go to after Charlotte or Castano at 154. And I, I get pissed off when I hear him say that because this dude could have fought went when to Sarah had the title and he chose not to and he waited and now when he's too late now he's talking about 154 so we'll have to wait to see how that goes anyway that's all I got for you here on our weekend of boxing I'm I'm pretty excited about tomorrow's fights I'll I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I'm going to cover Russell and Postal for sure because I I expect I know how that's going to go I may dial in for Ancahas I'm likely going to dial in for Colbert Garcia I'm almost sure I'm going to dial in for Taylor and Catterall. So I'll, I'll dial in for those. And whether I cover them or not, I got to think about because there's a lot going on. But I just want to at least give you a high level preview of the fights I think were worth the time and the things going on in the business. And keep the wishes for Victor Postal in you. And then, of course, the Klitschko brothers, because remember, Vitali's mayor of Kiev. So he's right in the battleground, too. These are fighters, you know, they're part of the business, so they deserve your respect. And what they're dealing with is tough and there's no way you can ever reconcile. If you're in the military, you should certainly feel like this is tough times for them in particular and and us as a as a nation. Um, So we'll watch and we'll wait and we'll hope that everything turns out okay for everybody around.